When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, guys? Welcome into the Wolverine Live Recruiting Show. Usually there's a countdown clock, but we did not get that today. Thanks for joining me. I am your host, EJ Holland. Appreciate you guys as always. Make sure to like this video, subscribe to our YouTube channel for free. Today, we're going to be breaking down every single Michigan signee in the 2024 recruiting class. So it should be fun. Just a heads up, I am producing the show on my own and am pulling up all the ads and stuff all on my own. So solo dolo here. Uh, so cut me some slack while I try to maneuver everything. We actually uh, have our presenting sponsor tonight, and we are going to get into Leonard Financial Solutions. Leonard Financial Solutions founder Jonathan Leonard wants to listen to you to get to know your story and how he can help you. People often hesitate to contact a financial advisor because they think they have to know what they want first. Leonard Financial Solutions founder Jonathan Leonard will start at square one with you, getting to know you and your unique situation. You don't want to live outlive your retirement money. You don't want to make risky investments. You don't want your loved ones to experience financial insecurity. Leonard Financial Solutions wants to alleviate your fears by providing you with options for life insurance, income protection, retirement income, safe annuities, and Medicare. They take the time to explain the pros and cons of each product and will not rush you through the decision-making process, giving you the time you need to commit to a plan. When is the best time to sit with a financial advisor? It's now, whether you are just starting out, hoping to retire in the next five years, or you're already retired. Leonard Financial Solutions wants to help you make smart decisions about your money, get the expert financial advice without the high-pressure sales pitch. Reach out to get started today for a free consultation at www.leonardfs.com or call 856-444-LIFE. Again, that's www.leonardfs.com or call 856-444-LIFE. So thanks again to Leonard Financial Solutions for uh, presenting tonight's show. And like I said earlier, make sure to like and subscribe to this YouTube channel. It is completely free. If you didn't check out the Signee Spotlight series uh, here on the YouTube channel, I'd highly suggest doing that. You know, we had interviews with 21 of the 27 signees, in-depth interviews, talking about why they chose Michigan, talking about their personal lives away from the field as well. So a lot of great stuff here on our YouTube channel. 
with uh, most of the signees. Also, we are running a special promotion that ends tonight at thewolverine.com. It's $1 for one month or 50% off your first year. That deal officially ends tonight. So no more $1 deal and no more 50% off your annual subscription unless you subscribe tonight at thewolverine.com. So yeah, we're going to be talking about every single signee. It looks like we have more people flooding in. So thanks to everybody that's joining me. So here are kind of the rules for tonight. I know you guys like to ask questions and stuff, um, and we will get to some questions for sure. So we're going to do kind of a hybrid show like we did yesterday, right? I'm going to break down every signee, and we're going to start off with the lowest rated signee and work our way up to the highest rated signee based on the on three industry ranking. So that's what we'll be using. And I know I've seen a lot of questions too, like, oh, on threes, you know, ranking suck, the team ranking suck, the, the player ranking suck. Like most of the stuff that's used is the industry ranking, which is a combination of on three 24 seven rivals and ESPN. So like the team ranking of 17 and the rankings we're going to be using tonight, those are the industry rankings. So it's an average of the four major services. Just wanted to stress that um, for sure. So uh, before we break down all the signees, let me just look at the, the questions really quick. Okay. When we talk about the specific signees, I'll get to y'all's questions. So whoever you're asking about, I'll get to that question uh, once we get there. So let's go ahead and start off with three-star linebacker, Zach Ludwig. And he is ranked in the 1600s right now. So Zach Ludwig was obviously one of the biggest mysteries of this entire recruiting class. He committed with little to no fanfare. I mean, a lot of people didn't even know he was committed for a long time, right? Like this is a guy that committed on Instagram, I think. And nobody ever shared the post, no recruiting services reported or anything. I remember the first, or, or I remember the day that I heard Zach Ludwig's name. It was actually Zach Libby that texted me and he was like, hey, there's some buzz that this kid, Zach Ludwig, committed to Michigan. And I was like, who is Zach Ludwig? And we were kind of scrambling around looking to see if we could confirm this with program sources and stuff. And then we got conflicting information back and it was just a wild day. And uh, I remember when it was fully, fully confirmed that he committed. And then we found out he was related to Ben Herbert, who's Michigan strength and conditioning coach. And obviously one of the best, if not the best strength and conditioning coach in the country and it kind of brought into question, well, how good is Zach Ludwig really? We know he's Ben Herbert's, you know, family member, but can he actually play ball? So, you know, looking at the film and seeing him from junior to senior year, I think that there's definitely been some improvements. Zach Libby actually had a chance to go out to meet with Ludwig and then saw him live in person. I think that Ludwig is probably a two-star um recruit that'll provide some depth where needed and it'll likely be a long snapper and and a special teams guy he actually does a uh, long snap at the high school level he's just a really tough kid that i think is willing to do anything for the program 
I also think that being Ben Herbert's family member kind of adds some pressure to him to just be a workaholic in the weight room. And I think he's going to be a guy that's going to encourage other guys to really put in a similar effort uh, when it comes to, you know, the strength and conditioning program. So I'm not, you know, overly high on Zach Ludwig or anything, but I do think that he has a, a chance to at least be a long snapper, a special teams contributor, and hey, he might even surprise maybe as a, a depth piece at, at the linebacker position as well. I think when we look at rankings, you know, he's ranked in the 1600s, but he's still a three star, which is absolutely wild because if you're ranked, you know, in the low 300s or it might be the high 400s, you're a three star as well. So that's a big gap. That's like 1200 players, right? So I think we need to bring back two stars, and that's another argument for another show. But we don't have enough two stars. You know, no, none of these recruiting services want to be wrong with their rankings, and it sucks. Like, stand by your word. Like, everything I say tonight, I'm standing by. Like, you can come back and be like, EJ, your evaluation sucked. Cool. You know, that's what it's supposed to be. Evaluating kids is hard. So I feel like we should bring back two stars, and I would probably have Ludwig graded in that two-star range. So that's kind of just uh, my thoughts on Zach Ludwig. And to answer your question, uh, John Schultz, I've actually been doing recruiting for 13 years now. So I've been doing it since I was 19, 18, 19 years old. Um, and there were, I don't believe there were one stars when I started, but it was either a two star or you just didn't have any stars in general. I think two stars signified that you were an FBS caliber recruit to answer that question. Um, let's go over to our next signee and apologies again, guys. I am self-producing. Libby had a family situation pop up, so I am without a producer today. So I am going solo dolo here trying to balance out everything. Um, so hopefully everything's going well. Let me know if there are any technical difficulties. Next on the list is Jeremiah Lowe, another guy ranked in the 1000s. So if this was the old school type of recruiting rankings, we would have another two-star kid. Um, Jeremiah Lowe, I'm going to be completely honest, is the kid that I'm the least familiar with right now. I'm doing the recruiting signee power rankings for the Wolverine, and I want to sit down and really, really watch Jeremiah Lowe's film from this year and maybe a full game film or something of that nature, because I'm not super, uh, like I said, I'm not super familiar with his game uh, from the little that I have seen. And I, and Zach did have a chance to go out and watch him live this year. Unfortunately, he didn't provide any clips from that game because Frederick Douglass got blown out in a cross state matchup against uh, Hoban in Ohio, which is, great program out of Akron but from the little bit I've seen you know he's a guy that's gonna be more of a depth piece as well I have him graded as more of a low three star two star type of guy he doesn't have the you know any measurables that really pop out at five foot 11 170 pounds and he's not a guy that's you know super fast doesn't really have an elite trait about him you know i i think that he does have good ball skills i think he does have knack a knack for making plays on the ball you see some poorly thrown passes where at least at least he makes a play on the ball he gets some interceptions he's a guy that 
um, I think can continue to improve just in, in man coverage. I, I've seen a few clips of him, you know, uh, struggle a little bit there. I think he can improve the speed, improve, improve the technical work. Um, this is a kid that wasn't really highly pursued by a ton of other schools, but I think something that would give me a little bit more confidence with Jeremiah Lowe is the fact that Steve Klinkscale has seen him a ton. So Jeremiah Lowe is actually a high school teammate of EJ Klinkscale, um, who is actually coming on as a preferred walk-on at Michigan. And normally coaches can't really go out on the road and see kids multiple times in game uh, or at events or anything. With EJ being on the team, Steve Klinkscale was able to see him more often. So he has a ton of evaluations of Jeremiah Lowe. And obviously he saw something um, to, to go ahead and pivot to him when he missed out on Bryce West and Aaron Scott. Right after those guys went out to Ohio State, Jeremiah Lowe was the next man up and he pressed and, and obviously got a commitment right away. But I, I think with Jeremiah Lowe, more of a depth piece type of guy. Uh, I know it sucks that Michigan didn't get an Aaron Scott or Bryce West, but uh, you have a really high upside guy in Josiah Edmond, who we'll talk about later in the show, and you have a depth piece in Jeremiah Lowe, and I, I'm sure Michigan will look to the portal as well, maybe a Damani Jackson. I guess we will see about that. Let's go ahead and move on to our next signee. And that is going to be Manuel Vagel. And so I actually asked Manuel when we did our signing uh, series spotlight, I was like, dude, how do you pronounce your name? And it's not Beagle, as I've been saying, and it's not Bagel, as Zach has been saying. It's Vagel. So uh, Manuel Vagel is really interesting, man. I mean... This is a kid that didn't start playing football until a few years ago. Uh, I believe it it was about three or four years ago. He picked up the game in Germany, started playing with a local club team. He grew up playing soccer, but obviously when you're six foot five and 290 pounds, it's hard to play soccer. So he joined the football team there and just really enjoyed it. You know, it was funny when we were doing our signing spotlight series because he told me he actually started playing football because he watched a movie that involved football. And he was like, man, I need to give give this a try. And so, you know, it obviously worked out. He ended up going to Choate Academy, uh, which is in Connecticut and one of the premier boarding schools in the Northeast. And, you know, Michigan fans should be familiar with Choate. Uh, the Wolverines were able to pull Tristan Bounds out of there a couple of cycles ago and you know it, it allowed him to develop that develop at a pretty good program to play against some division one level guys as well on the schedule and i think that man who's really coming along i mean he's definitely not quite there yet you still see him struggle a bit especially since he doesn't have a ton of experience playing defensive line i mean and I, I, what I was trying to say is he struggles a little bit just with more of the regular nuances of the game, as well as the technical aspects of the game, which can be expected when you're completely new to football, especially new to America. So the cool thing with Manu is that I had a chance to see him in his first ever game 
in the United States, which was a really cool moment. He exclusively played along the offensive line as a junior and was really, really good in that first game. Like he served up a few pancakes and I was like, man, this guy's athletic and he has some things going for him. And this year he played defensive line. Unfortunately, he was out for most of the season. I believe he only played three or four games as a senior. I had a chance to go out and watch him play out in Massachusetts. And, um, you know, I thought he had a really strong performance in terms of flashing ability that can translate to the next level. He certainly didn't stuff the stat sheet, but he was a guy that was consistently getting after the quarterback. And you could see the feet, the athleticism, the length. I mean, this is a kid that's an athletic marvel in the sense that he's six foot two ninety, and he has like almost no body fat on him. Like he, he is so well put together. And you can see that in the signing spotlight series, like John just mentioned, he has really broad shoulders and he, he has room to add a lot of weight. You wouldn't think that this is a guy like I wouldn't be surprised if he has he adds 30 pounds. He's 320 pounds. You wouldn't even think it by looking at his frame. Um, he has really good feet from his soccer background as well. Really good length. Um, man, he just checks a lot of boxes when it comes to athleticism. It's just all about getting him. Um, it's not even about strength and conditioning, really. It's all about getting him with Mike Elston, Mike Elston and developing him as an actual player. The athlete, Manuel, Manuel Vigil, is pretty impressive. It's just about, again, teaching him more of the game, getting him adjusted to playing up in competition at Michigan. So he has really high upside. I'm really interested to see what he becomes. I have a tough time giving uh, Manu a personal grade because there isn't a lot of uh, data there. There's three games at D three, four games at defensive line. I had two in-game evaluations, but one was, um, you know, one was him playing offensive line. I also went out and saw him in the spring at his spring showcase, and he split between defensive line and offensive line. It wouldn't be surprising to see him eventually end up on the offensive line as well if defensive line doesn't work out. I really think that, you know, you could see him there too. So he's just a really interesting prospect. Again, it's hard for me to give him a, a grade because of the limited football experience and toughness to project European players, but man, you're getting a, a world-class type of athlete. And it looks like we have a question from John about Manu. And he says, didn't Georgia offer Manu? What other programs were interested? So yeah, Georgia did extend an offer. Um, he had a chance to go down there and visit. Penn State offered him, Texas A&M offered him, and Central Michigan offered him. I believe those were his offers. Texas A&M and Penn State came after Georgia, but I think they just saw kind of the same thing that Michigan did. And that was, man, this guy is one hell of an athlete for being six foot five, 290. Let's just take a chance and see if we can uh, turn him into something. So yeah, really interesting offer sheet there, but uh, let's go ahead and move on to our next signee. And that is going to be, let's see who it is. <laughs> David Polypoly is this low? What is going on? 803. Man, he even dropped a little bit, a few spots. All right, there's the profile. 803 prospect in the country is David Polypoly. 
Um, that's wild to me just because I know what David can become. And it sucks because I was the only one that had a chance to see David in person. I don't think any other recruiting reporter in the country went out and saw David Polly Polly. I, I remember driving to Amish country to see him and being like, man, this place smells like manure. Where am I? There was nothing there except some gas station where I got yelled at that I had to stay by my car instead of using the bathroom because it's a Pennsylvania law or something. Um, and then I show up to his high school and there's this gigantic 300 pounder in a school of a bunch of little Amish kids. And I was like, man, <laughs> what are you doing here? Uh, so it was really kind of cool to see him in that type of setting. But I also went back. That was a school visit. I went back and I had a chance to see him practice. And he just looked the part. I was actually there the same time that Ohio State coach Larry Johnson was there. And he looked pretty impressed with Polly Polly as well. I mean, he's a legit six, two and a half. He's bulked up to 315 pounds. He has a really compact build. So he's not a nose like Kenneth Grant in the sense that he's not, he doesn't have a ton of height. You know, six six foot two and a half is still okay. Um, but he doesn't have that height that, that Kenny G has. And he doesn't have the length either. He's kind of built a little bit more like a Mason Graham, except heavier, but really, really compact. I mean, really filled out in both his lower and upper halves. I don't think he needs a ton of work in the strength and conditioning program other than to condition, because I, I think the thing that I took away the most from watching Polly Polly is just having more of a consistent motor. But man, you're talking about a guy with tremendous size, tremendous strength, um, really good feet and athleticism for his size. I recently went back out to Pennsylvania uh, right before he flipped to Michigan and he's working with a guy that exclusively does speed training. So that's a big thing for him, continuing to improve his speed, continuing to improve his speed, but it's already really impressive. So I'm I'm really, really excited about David Polly Polly. I would personally have him graded as a four-star guy. I have him like as a top 250, 300 type of guy. I think he could potentially be an NFL draft pick as well. Um, there's a lot to like about him. And you know, it's not me just going out on a limb saying this, right? Like Mike Elston and Jesse Minter, I think are two of the best coaches in the country and also two really good evaluators, right? And they made Polly Polly a plan A from the very beginning. Like this is a guy that was at the top, top of the defensive line board. So I really, really like Polly Polly. The staff really like Polly Polly. And, you know, it's kind of a shock when he committed to USC uh, over Michigan in the summer. But, you know, like if you go and watch his signing spotlight interview, which I highly encourage, then, um, you know, I, I you can kind of see that he always wanted to be at Michigan. And look, just to address the one thing that I know everybody's thinking, he did have a public you know, kind of Twitter situation or not Twitter, I guess it was Instagram, whatever it was, public social media situation with his uh, former high school head coach. And I can just say that Polly Polly is one of the best kids I've ever covered. Really genuine kid, which you can see in that interview. And I think the dude get, just made a mistake and shouldn't get, you know, punished for that. You know, it's a, it's a growing up type of lesson. 
And I think Jim Harbaugh understands that as well. And that's why they took him because he's just a really good kid that made a made a dumb post, man. Like that's it. But he's he's great. Um, looks like we have some questions on Polly Polly. John A. Solt says, why are these big nose tackles always graded so low? I'm not really sure. That's a good question. Uh, it seems like a lot of the 300 pounders are not valued as much as they should be. Um, he comes back with how is Kenneth Grant not a five star and was a three star. Kenneth Grant was the most frustrating guy of all time because I went out and I saw him when he was a no star. And I was like, oh, my God. And you guys can remember that, too. Like, I was like, can somebody come see this guy? Like, please come see this guy out in Merrillville, Indiana, which isn't even that far away from Chicago. And nobody ever saw him. He didn't do any camps. And like Polly Polly as well. Polly Polly has done no camps. So nobody's seen him. Polly Polly hidden out in Amish country. Kenneth Grant right down the street from Gary, Indiana. Nobody's going there. Um, guys just never, never saw them. And it, it was kind of sad because I thought Kenny G was like, yeah, I think I had Kenny like close to a top 100 guy. I mean, I absolutely loved him as you guys can remember. Um, I think that's it with the... Um, I thought there was another question here. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, yeah. Lemonade says, do you think this dude will show out? Yeah, obviously, man. I'm, uh, like I said, really, really high on Polly Polly. Let's go ahead and move on to our next signee. And that is going to be uh, Ben Roebuck. Ben Roebuck, man. I told Zach that I was going to sit down and really give Ben Roebuck a great, a good evaluation here in the next couple of days. I'm definitely going to pull up the St. Edwards game. I saw Ben Roebuck the first, the first time I ever saw Ben Roebuck was when he was a sophomore going into his junior year at the Under Armour All-America game. And he was just such a massive, massive kid. And I have some one-on-one -on -one reps on my Twitter account of him going up against Michigan State uh, eventual Michigan State signee Jalen Thompson and I thought Ben Roebuck got the better of him the thing that stood out about Ben was just the size and the strength right when you're six foot seven 340 you can just be a big dude and it's hard to get around you but the thing I didn't like about Roebuck at that point were his feet and I think that's something that he still struggles with I do want to see more of a senior tape I know Zach isn't super high on him after seeing him a few times. I think Zach just has him graded in the same spot as his industry. I've teetered back and forth with low four-star, high three-star, probably more high three-star on Ben Roebuck. But man, that size is just so exciting. Like I'm just a sucker for a big, just a big, mean, nasty, you know, offensive lineman. Look, I get the feet aren't amazing but uh, it's, it's tough to teach that type of size. And I think getting in with Ben Herbert will be good for Roebuck to really reshape his body, cut some of that bad weight, rebuild it up the right way. So if, uh, if Sharon Moore can work on his feet, if uh, Ben Herbert can shape up his body, I still think there's a lot there with Ben Roebuck. And I just like the kid. He, he took a lot of pride in committing to Michigan and leading the class and, being from Ohio. So I, I, there's just something about Roebuck that really stands out to me. Like I feel bad grading him a three-star. Like I want to give him a four-star so bad. And plus he's just a really good high school player as well. St. Ed has had one of the best offensive lines in the country. 
And, um, you know, he helped lead St. Ed's to a state title game. He was the only to a state title win. He was the only Michigan signee that was named a Max Preps first team All-American. So um, <clears throat> I want to see more of Ben Roebuck's senior film in the next couple of days. But I, I like the potential. The thing that also concerns me a bit about Ben Roebuck that I do want to mention, because I've seen people ask about this in the past, is um, if he sticks at tackle, I, I'm going to continue to be concerned about the feet. If he slides inside to guard, how much does his height hinder him? It's rare to have a really, really tall, towering guard like this, like, like Ben Roebuck is, unless you're like an anomaly like a Leonard Davis. Like it's it's tough to find a tall, tall guard like this. And, and I mean, he has he definitely has more of a tackle build. So at what point does height hinder you if you slide inside? So I'm I'm excited to see more of Ben Roebuck, but I'm really, really, really uh enjoy getting to know him throughout the process. Uh John A. Schultz says, Do you like Roebuck better than the Armstrong twins as prospects? You see you guys love to trash Roebuck. Um, I don't know, man. I don't, I haven't like really dialed in on the Armstrong twins enough to give a fair comparison. Uh, I know they're also just kind of big kids as well that you, that rely more on their size and strength, but I, I can't really give a fair comparison there. I think the OSU guys probably just rag on Roebuck because he always tries to make fun of OSU. So you know how that goes. Let's go ahead and move on to our next signee and that is Channing Goodwin man I Channing Goodwin is one of my personal favorites I'm so sad that we didn't have Channing Goodwin on the signee spotlight series because he would have been such a great interview he was actually on a family vacation so he wasn't able to do it um Channing sent me a really heartfelt text a few days ago and I really appreciated that he's such a great kid I've been out to Providence Day many times, obviously, and we'll talk about our other Providence Day signee later on. And even though there were some, even though there was some weirdness with, uh, you know, me and Providence Day, I think that Channing Goodwin never cared, man. We always had such a great relationship. He always did interviews. He was extremely respectful and he's just a really funny kid, really down to earth and really cares a lot about um Michigan and just playing football in general obviously his father Jonathan Goodwin played at Michigan and you know had a chance to room with Ron Bellamy and so that connection definitely helped out in this recruitment it was clear Channing was going to end up at Michigan from the very beginning uh Channing's a kid that I have graded as a high three star but he's a he has a chance to be a big fan favorite in Ann Arbor not only because he has that cool little personality, but also because he's a guy that just makes plays, man. Like every time I saw Providence Day, Channing Goodwin made plays. I saw Providence Day twice this year. He had more than 100 yards in both games. He made plays as a safety. He returned kicks and punts. Um, he rushed for a few yards as well. So I think Channing Goodwin is just – a guy that you look up and he'll have like seven catches for 75 yards. And you're like, Oh man, how did he do that? Like he's a great possession receiver in the slot. He's extremely reliable and dependable. He has some of the best hands in the country 
if you need chance, if you need someone to move the chains on like third and four and you're throwing a pass, it goes to Channing Goodwin. He is a security blanket all the way. I would entrust it. If I had to throw a pass to a wide receiver recruit this cycle and I needed them to catch it and I'm not the best thrower of a football, I would entrust Channing Goodwin to do that because I love him. Um, I love what he can. I, I love what he can do as a route runner. He consistently gets open. Like the guy's always open. I love what he can do. It's just a natural pass catcher. Just kind of has like stick him on his hands. He catches everything. Uh, so when we talk about Jaden Davis being extremely efficient and being accurate, short to intermediate, a lot of that is helped or assisted by. Channing Goodwin just constantly being open. You have this guy run drag slants all day long, and he's going to get open. Um, you know, if you give him some choice routes, he'll find the soft spot in the defense. So there's a lot to like about Channing Goodwin just as a pure football player. Now, where Channing gets knocked is he doesn't have elite size. He doesn't have elite speed. He doesn't have elite athleticism, but he makes up for it with always just being an open guy. Like I could see him being a Ronnie Bell type at um, at Michigan for sure. So I think we have a question here on Channing from John. He says, what recent wide receiver recruit would you compare Goodwin to? Like I said, probably a Ronnie Bell type, just a guy that, you know, makes plays, always gets open. Like that's, that's Channing. And I thought he improved – um, as a guy that can make plays uh, after the catch, I thought he improved his speed a little bit this year as well. So, you know, Channing was a guy that was actually ranked as I think 24-7 at one point had him as a top 100 type of recruit. And obviously he didn't progress as an athlete from that standpoint, but the skill set that I think caught a lot of people's attention early on is still there. Like I said, the route running, the ability to get open, the hands, the dependability, you know, Channing Goodwin is a quarterback's best friend all the way. Let's go ahead and get to our next signee. And that is, sorry guys, internet is not going very quickly. The next signee on the list is Dominic Nichols who I think is one of the more underrated uh, signees in this class. Um, let's go ahead and talk about him. So I got distracted there. Um, yeah, Dominic Nichols, one of the most underrated recruits in this class all the way. You're talking about a kid that still had Clemson and Florida State after him in the fall. Those schools aren't just coming after some three-star kid. Dominic Nichols is a four-star kid all the way. Here's the thing that happened with Dominic Nichols. And this is why sometimes the offseason can suck. So Nichols went to the Under Armour camp in Baltimore. And at the time, he was ranked as a four star by most, if not all the services. He went to the Under Armour camp in Baltimore after being out for like a month with a foot injury. And he came in over overweight, which is why his weight is listed at 255. He hadn't done anything in an entire month. And the foot was still bothering him. So he had a pretty poor outing at the Under Armour camp in Baltimore. And a lot of the rankings are reflective of that one camp where people got the verified measurables and, and got the, the clips of that camp. But he went out, he lost 20 pounds this year, and he was sensational 
as a senior. This guy dropped down to 235, so he's six foot four and a half, six foot five, 235, has pretty good length and really improved his speed. He looked explosive off the edge. He set several records and led Oakdale to a state championship this season. He's a really good athlete as well that also won a state championship uh, as a basketball player. Um, Dom is going to be really, really good, whether it's as a bigger edge or a speed edge, depending on how his body shakes out. Uh, what he puts on tape this year is, or what he put on tape this year is extremely impressive. What I saw in the games that I saw live this year was super impressive. I think Dom's a four-star guy all the way. I would have him on that border edge of a top 300 player. So I think he also has the highest floor of the edge guys coming in, Devin Baxter Lugard, who we'll talk about uh, here in, in a couple of minutes. Those guys have really high upside, but Dom has a really high floor and he also has some upside as well. So, you know, and, and he's another guy that just takes a lot of pride in Michigan. He had some other schools in his ear, negative recruiting him, recruiting him into the fall. And he stuck with Michigan. He actually camped with Michigan um, last year and didn't get an offer on the spot. He never pouted or anything. And he never cried about his rankings dropping. He just went to work. So after not getting the Michigan offer last summer and being disappointed by that, he just went to work and got the Michigan offer in the spring. You know, he, he got dropped completely in these rankings, didn't complain about it, just went to work and had an insane senior season. So I think if the recruiting services go back and watch his senior film, which I doubt they've done, they'll be really, really impressed with Dominic Nichols. And to answer your question there, John, I don't think the final 2024 rankings are done yet for any site. You still have all-star games, and I don't think they've gotten through all that senior film. Let's go ahead and move on to our next recruit, and that is going to be Man, I really wish Libby was here because I am struggling with the producing aspect of this, but hopefully that's not affecting us too much. The next guy is going to be Jake Winera. And when you talk about offensive linemen, I feel like centers don't get any love. You know, everybody wants to talk about tackles for obvious reason. Um, centers just are never ranked really high in the recruiting rankings. I think Jake Winera has an argument as the best center in the country or one of the best centers in the country for sure. I think he's a really solid player at the position, really technically sound. He's also a guy that had experience playing tackle. Um, he started off most of his career playing tackle. I mean, he played his entire high school career at the position before switching over to center. Um this year and i actually saw him in his first game playing center in august and he did really really well against a really quality jacksonville mandarin team with multiple d1 prospects he's a really willing run blocker i thought he showed even more improved physicality as a senior but i love the athleticism and tackle experience he brings to the center position just having those quick feet being really comfortable in pass pro, I think will help him out a lot. He just has to get, you know, used to snapping a little bit more and the intricacies that come with playing the center position, which is a little bit different, but I think he'll have plenty of time to grow at Michigan. I think he'll eventually be the go-to guy at center. 
So, you know, I'm really excited about Winera. He was also a guy that committed to Michigan and wanted to be there. If you guys remember, and Jake told this story on, um, Jake told this story on the signing spotlight video that Sharon Moore told him, Hey, it's you, it's Kyle Altooner and it's Walt Claire Flynn. And, you know, we're going to take the first guy that commits and he committed. So, you know, he really wanted to be at Michigan. He took his spot and, you know, destiny was in his own hands. So I, I was really excited for Jake also just a really great kid. And he even got an invite to the Under Armour All-American game late. He just won't be there because he's going to be with the team for Rose Bowl practices. Let's go ahead and move on to our next signee, unless we have any questions about Jake. It looks like John does. Do you have any idea how Michigan chooses who they want as a center prospect? Did Jake move there because of that? No. Um, I think Jake saw that he was probably going to be a center based on his measurables and he wanted to move there. Um, as far as who Michigan chooses, I think Sharon Moore's done a really great job of identifying body profiles that could transition inside the center. Even looking at Kyle Altooner, who I really liked as well, um, plays tackle for good counsel. So he just identifies the right type of body types and just also you need I think you need a guy that's a leader and a smart kid at the center position. And so Jake Winera is definitely that type of guy. Let's go ahead and move on to our next signee. And uh, it's definitely one of my personal favorites. We are going with former Notre Dame commit and new Michigan defensive line signee, Owen Wafel. And yes, Sammy, did we come close to flipping any Notre Dame guys? I hate their fans, EJ. I hate them too. That's the worst fan base in America. And I was so, so happy when Michigan flipped Owen Wafel. And here, here's the thing, man. So Owen Wafel was committed to Notre Dame for a long time. They took him early, right? Michigan flipped him in June. Before Michigan flipped him in June, Owen Wafel had already given Michigan the indication that he was coming. That's why he decommitted from Notre Dame and then committed to Michigan. So it wasn't like just a flip from one school to the other. There was a, uh, a lull between the decommit and the commitment to Michigan. So he had already given that staff indication he was going to Michigan. And that's why you had all the Notre Dame fans say, well, Notre Dame didn't want him anymore. That's just not true, man. Like, they definitely wanted Owen Wafel. They took him early for a reason. This wasn't a situation. Okay, you know, I'll give Notre Dame, like, Greg Crippen, right? I was there. I was actually there at Notre Dame when Notre Dame dropped Greg Crippen. Um, like, physically on campus the moment they decided they no longer wanted Greg Crippen. Um, that wasn't the case with Owen Wafel. And it's easy to see why on tape. I mean, this is a guy that's extremely disruptive in the interior of the defensive line. He does remind me a lot of Mason Graham, as Newbert points out. Just a guy that's super strong, isn't necessarily consider considered this, you know, ranking star or this NFL caliber guy. And, you know, a lot of things, you know, Mason Graham's obviously considered an NFL caliber guy based on what he's done at Michigan. But as a recruit, Mason Graham was knocked for that. Mason Graham was thought of not an NFL type of guy. And I think the people doing the rankings across all networks don't see Wayful as an NFL type of guy. 
And so it's kind of similar to Grant, but I think Owen Waifel is going to be, I don't really care about NFL projection. I'm trying to project a college. And I think that Owen Waifel, like Mason Graham, who I was also extremely high on, is going to be a big time player at Michigan. I mean, you watch his in-game clips uh, and, and they're amazing. He knows how to knife through double teams. He's super aggressive. He's just a really smart player along with being physical and aggressive. Just tremendous brute strength, really compact build, kind of looks like a wrestler. He is a little bit on the shorter side at 6'2". Um, he's listed at 267, but he's actually 290. And the thing about Wayful is I've seen people write that he has short arms. The dude has a really good wingspan. I'm 6'1", so we're of similar height. And this guy has way longer arms than I do. Like, I mean, it's he does not have, you know, short arms. I would say he has longer arms than Pale Pale. Um, so, yeah, I really, really like Owen Wayful and what he brings to the table. And if you haven't watched his signing spotlight, I definitely uh, encourage you guys to do that. Uh, the way he talks about just handling business and being the hammer and not the nail and how listening to music while driving makes him angry. I mean, this is a football guy, Jim Harbaugh guy all the way. I even asked him, I didn't, I should have asked him on the, the signing spotlight or I don't actually, I don't remember if I did or not, but in one of our recent interviews, he told me he didn't want to wear that big puffy yellow jacket that Michigan gives recruits when they visit because he likes the cold and he wanted to embrace the cold. And he just wore a flannel to the game, like did not care about being cold. <laughs> Owen Waple is all about his business. And I mean, such what my favorite recruit to see this season, if I could have gone to 40 Owen Waple games, I would have gone to 40 Owen Waple games because he was so entertaining, screaming at opponents, clapping up his teammates, like just being a dude out there. Like I loved it, man. Owen Waple was so awesome to cover. So I'm, I'm definitely going to miss him. Um, Let's see if uh, if there are some questions here. John A. Schultz says, you couldn't help but talk about how weird Notre Dame fans are. Yeah, they are the weirdest fans in America. Like, just strange little guys, man. Uh, Sammy says, is there any truth to it when Notre Dame say, fans say they process a guy? Uh, the, the one I can think of is Greg Grippen. I can't think of any others. I know Notre Dame is great at spinning like they are the spin machines of the recruiting world they know how to say notre dame dropped this kid like it's so weird to me um marky max says why didn't notre dame want crippen he's been a pretty good backup center um i don't know i wasn't really high on crippen as a recruit either probably because i was at the same camp that the notre dame staff was at when they dropped crippen i mean he looked really really bad in that camp and he was never a guy that was physical and that's what I like about Winero and comparing him to Crippen the thing about Crippen is he was a really smart guy um he was really technically sound as well but he just didn't have any type of mean streak to him I mean he was just a guy that went out there and he you know he cleared the path he did well with his technique but you know, you have to have some type of mean streak as an offensive lineman, even if you're a center. I, I really like that about Jake Winera, and I think Crippen really lacked that. And at that camp, he was beaten pretty bad for a couple of initial reps, and I think he really got down on himself after that and just didn't have a really good showing at all. And then I saw him multiple times in games because he was J.J.'s teammate, and that's that's where I was 
even more down on Crippen was because of those in-game evaluations where he just didn't really show me a lot of nastiness as an offensive lineman. But uh, let's go ahead and move on to our next recruit, and, and we'll make the Notre Dame fans a little angry uh, later on. But we are going with Luke Hamilton. Now, Luke's an interesting recruit from a rankings perspective. He's a four-star on three of the major sites and a three-star on on three. And that's fine because I have Luke graded as a three-star as well. Um, and the on, the industry ranking has him graded as a three-star. But on three has him graded way too low. Like he's almost in like two-star contention. He's ranked as the number 53 overall recruit in the state of Ohio, which is absolutely insane. There's no way that he's that low. Now, I like that Hamilton is a big, nasty mauler in the trenches. He's perfect for an interior offensive lineman. And usually interior offensive line types aren't, you know, ranked super, super high unless they're really, really elite. And with Hamilton, I still think he struggles with his feed. He's still pretty slow. Uh, but he is a guy that uses his brute strength really, really well and had a really great senior season, Was you know got all types of awards and honors, led Avon on a deep playoff run as well. Um, so I have him as a high three-star, which I think is perfectly fine for an interior guy. I think he's going to be you know really, really good in the same way that I have Jake Winera graded as a high three-star. Um, Luke, I think, is bringing a chip on his shoulder for sure just being an ohio guy committing to michigan right after michigan beat ohio state in columbus last year he's been completely locked in uh with the wolverines for basically an entire year already um i think he's he was one of the true class leaders i mean when even talked to me about how hamilton uh encouraged him to join the class and commit so you know, I think he's just a big, burly interior offense alignment. Nothing, you know, too crazy about Hamilton. I think on three's ranking is a little ridiculous uh, with having him outside of the top 50 in the state of Ohio. Uh, but he's going to be a really, really good interior offensive lineman at Michigan. Let's go to our next prospect. And that is, come on, Internet, please. I just paid like $70 for this Internet. I don't even have TV it's not even loading quickly. Um, Heike Kaapana, um, three-star running back out of Las Vegas. Bishop Gorman, on three is the only service that has him ranked as a four-star. And I'm kind of there. I'm sort of there. I'm in that high three-star, low four-star range. The problem with Kaapana is the sample size. The sample size is small, but it's impressive. Uh, he's a guy that averaged like 12 yards a carry or something as a junior, it, it, it was outlandish, the yards per carry. And as a senior, I feel like his opportunities were even more limited. He's always had to air carries at Gorman. And on top of that, when Gorman doesn't play national teams, they blow everybody out in Las Vegas. So he can easily just ride the pine in the second half. From the limited sample size, this guy shows great quickness, speed, and just the ability to be an all-purpose back, catch the ball out of the backfield. He's actually really good 
in pass pro, which is important for a running back that's young that wants to get on the field early. You have to be able to pass protect, and Kaapana can do that. Um, I think he's a great complement to Jordan Marshall because Marshall is more of a between-the-tackles downhill runner. I think Micah is a guy that uh, just provides a little more elusiveness, provides a little bit more versatility in what you can do with him. So I liken Micah Kaapana to last year's take, Cole Cabana, and those two guys will kind of fight with each other to see who slides into that Donovan Edwards type of role. And uh, Nuber asks, who would you compare Micah to? I haven't seen him play. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to see him play. Libby went out to Las Vegas to watch him, but the sample size, again, was really limited. I think Libby only saw him touch the ball six times. Um, I watched the full game film when um, they went up to Oregon and played uh, Long Beach Poly in that Nike Classic, and his opportunities there were super limited. Like, it was super frustrating to watch that. Uh, I had to like fast forward and find where he was playing. And it was, it, it's so weird that he was so limited. Um, John A. Schultz asked this question. Are you worried Micah could be a product of those big time offensive line prospects in front of him? Uh, well, yeah, he does have one of the best uh, offensive lines in the country, which certainly helps. But I think when you look at it from an evaluation standpoint, you can still see the juice on film, just that speed, that quickness, that pass catching ability, the pass pro blocking. So I still think he's a really quality compliment to, uh, to Jordan Marshall, who we'll talk about later on in the show. Let's go ahead and go on to our next, um, next signee. And that is Ted Hammond, who's another, guy that is increasingly frustrating to evaluate. Now, I like Ted Hammond. He is six foot four, 265 pounds, probably a little heavier than that right now. Mike Elston is really good at finding these lunch pail, hardworking, bring your hard hat to work type of guy. All the cliche words you want to use for that. That's, that's definitely Ted Hammond. Uh, he plays with really good technique. He has good power. He has good athleticism, too. This is a guy that was a champion swimmer as well and, you know, did a lot of club swimming and racked up a lot of medals. <laughs> so, yeah, it's I've never really heard of a swimmer, but it kind of, you know, I, it makes me intrigued to see what he can become uh, as a defensive lineman at the next level. Now, the reason that Hammond is really hard to evaluate is because as a senior, they had him playing more of a nose type of role and he's not going to be a nose at the next level. So this is a guy that was like taking up blockers and allowing the guys behind him to make plays. And so he didn't really have a ton of stats. Um, he didn't have a ton of tackles or anything like that. And when you watch the film, it's kind of frustrating to see him playing in that nose role because it's not what he would do at Michigan. I think he's going to be more of a three-star or four-eye, I mean, not three-star, three-technique or four-eye type of guy. Um, so right now I have him graded as a, a high three-star, which is what the industry ranking has and most of the uh, recruiting services have too. He's a really quiet kid that doesn't do a ton of interviews, but as John mentioned in the comments, he had a great signee spotlight with Libby. Uh, that came out earlier today. He uh, was a, a little bit of a late straggler, so we didn't get up his video in time for signing day, but he had a really good interview.
today. So I would definitely encourage you to watch that. But I think with Hammond, you're getting a high floor guy that's going to really work his tail off in Ann Arbor. Let's go out to our next signee. Uh, Oh, man, another guy that's really tough to rank for me. Man, I have gone all over the place with Jaden Smith. Jaden Smith is a four-star linebacker out of Charlotte, West Charlotte, and he is one of the most intriguing recruits I've covered over the last five years. He is really impressive as an athlete. He's listed at six foot two and a half, 195 pounds, probably up to like 205 right now. Uh, he was a little bit bigger than I when I originally saw him in the spring. Um, so I had a chance to watch him at the Under Armour camp in Charlotte in the spring. And then I saw him in game in August and, and he bulked up a little bit. I was, I was pleasantly surprised. So I definitely liked that. Um, he's a kid that I also have in kind of that high three-star, low four-star range. And I would probably go with a low four-star just because the ceiling is insane. You see on three actually has him ranked as a top 300 player. ESPN almost has him inside the top 100. Now, like I said, I saw Jaden Smith twice this year. The Under Armour Charlotte camp was really impressive because you could see the length, the speed, the athleticism in all those drills. You're like, wow, man, this kid really pops out. I remember when I wrote that, uh, when I wrote a notebook after that camp, I was like, Chris Partridge found something in this Jaden Smith kid. Like he definitely looks apart. And then when I saw him in game, it was a little underwhelming, not because Jaden had a bad game, but mostly because he played a really weird role uh, where he was playing a little bit more of a nickel type of role and he wasn't doing traditional linebacker things. He was dropping back into coverage a lot. And at times he would just go out there and play with his head cut off and not really knowing what he was doing, but he hits people. He's extremely physical. And like I said, he's really fast. I actually named him the fastest man in the class because none of the speed guy, none of the skill guys are real burners. And Jaden Smith at 6'2", 205, I mean, he clocked a 4'4", 8". So he's fast. He can get sideline to sideline. He obviously has experience covering, but I think he's still really raw from a technical standpoint. He's just an athlete. Right now, he's more of an athlete than he is a football player. And that's evidenced by special teams where you're just like, Jaden, go. And he goes. I mean, he was a mercenary on kickoff coverage. He blocked a ton of field goals and punts throughout his high school career. And just that athleticism allowed him to be super productive throughout his high school career at West Charlotte, which, you know, his league has really good football. And he was a four-time all-conference selection. So the athleticism is really impressive. The ceiling is super, super high. I'm just worried about the floor. But uh, yeah, there are a lot of things to like about Jaden Smith if you can maximize that potential. And John says, will Jaden end up at edge or stay at linebacker? I could see him doing both. I could see him playing more of a will spot. I could see him playing some Mike and I could see him rushing the edge. I could see him in maybe that Jalen Harrell type of role for sure. So I, I think Jaden a lot will depend on how much weight he adds at ben, with Ben Herbert at Michigan. Let's go ahead and go to our next signee. So we're getting into the, the higher ranked guys. Um, we've got Jeremiah Beasley coming up. In-state win for Michigan, beating out Michigan State. If you remember, Michigan State writers thought that he was a lock to sign 
with the Spartans uh, because his brother Malik Carr was on the roster. Obviously, that didn't work out for them. Uh, Beasley is a kid that I saw as a freshman and was really impressed with. And then as a sophomore, I went out to watch Belleville play. And at the time, Aaron Alexander was committed to Michigan. And I was like, this sophomore Beasley kid's better than Alexander. Um, so I was really excited about Beasley at that point. He's dropped in the rankings a little bit, but I still have him graded as a four star, like three of the four major services. Um, I think he's very, very well suited for the Michael Barrett role. I think he's a guy that's really comfortable in pass coverage from his experience playing seven on seven. Also a pretty good running back at the high school level, ran the 200 meter for Belleville and is really physical as well. Um, good kid, 4.0 GPA. I think that he's going to have a really successful career at Michigan. And John A. Schultz says, could Beasley be the next linebacker to become a running back later in his career like Haskins and Mullings? Um, you know, I like Beasley as a linebacker. I, I, you know, could I see him potentially playing some running back? Sure. He's good at it. He's played it mostly his whole life, but I really, really like him uh, in, for that Barrett role. I think, I think he's going to be a linebacker, but I, I definitely wouldn't rule it out. Let's go ahead and move on to our next signee. Um, and that is Cole Sullivan. And Cole Sullivan is a really exciting player. No, this internet froze up on the other screen. Okay, there we go. Um, Cole Sullivan's a really exciting player, man. I mean, you talk about a kid that's long, athletic, fast, six foot three, 200 pounds. He's a sideline to sideline linebacker. He can come off the edge. Uh, he's super physical, played at uh, Pittsburgh Central Catholic, which plays really good competition in that area. I think he's, um, you know, just a really fun guy to watch on tape. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see him live. Libby was able to go out to his game. But uh, from the tape, I mean, he pops out immediately. I have no idea why he hasn't risen in the rankings for ESPN or 24-7. I have Cole Sullivan graded as a top 150 player. I'm higher on him than every single recruiting service. That's how excited I am about Sullivan. Um 24-7 and ESPN having him as a three-star is terrible. I think that, you know, this is a kid that's going to be a superstar at Michigan on the defensive side of the ball. He's a great fit. He can also play multiple spots. I mean, he could easily have an early impact. And the thing about Cole is, you know, a lot of people just expected him to end up at Notre Dame. He's a quiet kid, kind of fits in the Notre Dame type of mold. He's an Irish kid from a Catholic school. Like it all made sense. And he just fell in love with Michigan and the development he could get in Ann Arbor and the scheme fit. And so it was nice to see Michigan just destroy Notre Dame for Cole Sullivan and have Cole Sullivan ascend up the rankings as one of the premier guys in this class. So Cole Sullivan is one that I'm super, super excited about. And, you know, it looks like, uh, Looks like the fans are are excited about Cole Sullivan as well. And Zach had a, a good interview with him here on our YouTube channel. So definitely, uh, you know, like I said, argument as the best defensive signee. I don't think there's a clear cut, you know, true best defensive signee, but, but Cole Sullivan definitely fits the mold. Let's go ahead and head to who's next. We've got Imarion Stewart. 
And that is the correct way to say his name. It is Imarion. Uh, I, I hear like announcers all the time say Imarion, Imarion, like it's Imarion. Uh, so Imarion Stewart, um, another kid who's in that high three-star, low four-star type of range. He's a four-star on the industry ranking, but actually three of the four services have him ranked as a three-star. Now, the thing with Stewart is he doesn't have this electric type of speed. He has a little more juice than Channing Goodwin. But, um, you know, I think something that knocked him was just not having a lot of verified times. But he's a great natural pass catcher as well. He's been on the recruiting scene for a long time. I actually saw him when he was an eighth grader and he ended up, um, you know, he ended up picking up an offer from Arizona State super, super early really tactical route runner that has experience playing multiple positions. I've seen him get the ball in the backfield. I've seen him return kicks and punts. He had like two punt returns called back for touchdown that were touchdowns that were called back when I saw him in game this year. And I'm super familiar with Imarion. I mean, I've seen him so many times in seven on seven with Midwest boom, which is the same club seven on 17 that produced JJ McCarthy and Tyler Morris. So there's a Michigan pipeline there. He's really familiar with those guys. He transferred from Bolingbrook to Chicago Kenwood and was one of the best players in the actual city of Chicago this year. And, you know, I think he can just be used in a lot of different ways. You can put him in the slot, you can line him up out wide, you can put him in as a kick and punt returner. So I think he is um, a Samaj Morgan type, which Newber asked. So yeah, I, I really like that. And you know, Amari Hunt's dad did dress up as a Wolverine when he committed, which was really cool. I mean, uh, Amari Hunt's another kid who was just a heavy lean to Michigan forever. And so I think him and his family take a lot of pride in being a Michigan Wolverine. And Kyle TTS, is he the next fine Hawaiian? I think they'll use him a little bit like a Roman Wilson, Samaj type of hybrid player. I don't think he's the next Roman Wilson. Roman had like elite, um, elite verified times. But I think with Imarion, you're getting a guy that consistently gets open, great pass catcher, and offers a lot of versatility and just a really fun kid to cover, man. Knowing him for so long, it was kind of sad to finally say goodbye. I told him I've known him for so long that I met him when I still lived in Texas. I moved to Chicago. I lived there for multiple years. And I moved to Virginia and he's still in high school. That's how long he's been on the recruiting scene and how long I've known him. So it's been great to, to really see Imarion go from, you know, a little eighth grader with an offer to um, signing with Michigan. Let's go ahead and go to the next signee. And that is please internet work. Well, it looks like we are frozen for a second. So apologies. It is Mason Curtis is our next signee. Mason is kind of started the trend of Michigan really looking at these positionless defensive athletes. And when you look at Curtis, he's listed at six foot four, one ninety. Um, he told me he's two oh five right now, but he still looks really thin in both halves. I'm really interested to see where his body goes, and I'm not really sure Michigan knows either. He didn't have one specific coach that he communicated with um, all the time, other than Steve Klingscale, who recruits Nashville and, you know, was the first one to really identify Curtis. But he's spoken to Roney. 
He's spoken to Elston uh, when Partridge was on staff. He was in communication with him, obviously Clink. So, you know, this is a guy that they see that could play multiple positions. They're not really pigeoning, pigeonholing him right now. He's long. He's uh, like I said, he's kind of really thin right now, but he's really long and just has that frame to add so much weight and so much strength. Um, I thought he was a little more impressive as a junior because of the role he played. When he was a junior, I saw him play in more of a linebacker, nickel type of role, and he was terrific. This year, he played more of a safety type of role, and it just didn't allow him to do as much as you would like. I would like to use Mason Curtis as a linebacker edge hybrid at Michigan. I think he can play the will and be an imposing figure and be really comfortable in coverage from his experience playing safety. But he also has really long arms, and I think he would be great at rushing the passer off the edge. Um, he's tough for me to grade. I have him as a low four-star, which is where the majority of services have him, just because I don't know what he's going to be, but he's really good. <laughs> so that about does it with Mason Curtis. I think that's I think nobody had any any questions for Mason on Mason Curtis. Um, let's go down to Jacob Odin, who is another guy who's kind of in that um, four star could be a top 300 type of player. Um, Odin, man, like he's just a really safe take. Uh, he's a guy with a really high floor. He's a coach's son. His dad, Rod Odin is the head coach at Harper Woods. Um, on top of that, you know, he's an ex-Wolverine, a former walk-on fullback at Michigan. Um, so I think that helps a lot, just understanding the game, growing up around the game. And Odin's a kid that always wanted to be at Michigan too, like just, you know, wanting to follow up in his dad's footsteps. And now he gets the opportunity to do that. Um, so he takes a lot of pride in that, you know, just being a legacy recruit. I think he's been a class leader. He's not overly vocal, but he tried to be uh, really vocal on social media this year. I think he has some similar traits as Rod Moore. I don't think he's quite as athletic as Rod was, but I think that Odin is a bit more polished than Rod was at the high school level. So I, I think he'll probably end up playing that type of role. And uh, John A. Schultz says, is Odin an early enrollee? Yes, he is an early enrollee. And I believe he already started practicing with the team. At the very least, Odin's going to be a multi-year starter that's just such a great locker room addition and a really uh, solid foundational player for Michigan. So, you know, he was a nice win in state, uh, really smart kid in the classroom as well. Him and Jeremiah Beasley are really good friends. So I think they kind of can help create that nucleus on the defensive side of the ball in future years. Let's go to, um, I think our next recruit and sorry guys, the, uh, you're not seeing the slowness behind the scenes, but the, uh, commit list is taking forever to like pull up these profiles. But the next commit is Devin Baxter, one of my personal favorites, man. I always tell the story like Michigan offered Devin Baxter and I hit up a program source and I was like, how much do you guys really like this Devin Baxter kid? They're like a lot. 
you know, and I was like, should I go see them? <laughs> should I go see him? They're like, sure. So I went out and I saw him and I was like, man, this kid is long, athletic and so physically impressive. He is like an athletic specimen and he's a great athlete, too. I, I named him the most athletic guy in the class um, because, you know, when he, you see him in person, he kind of just looks like a bodybuilder in a sense, like, or if I were to compare him to someone, it would be like a Anthony Joshua, who's a former world champion, heavyweight boxer. Like he just looks like a specimen, man. Like, and he's not a skinny guy at six foot five, two thirty five. He's not like a, a thinner type of edge. I mean, he's filled out pretty well. Um, and he still has, what's more exciting about Baxter is he has the room to add even more weight. He actually came down from 260 to 235. So I could see him being a speed edge. I could see him being a bigger edge. It just really depends on how his body goes. Um, I thought the Michigan staff did a fantastic job of finding Devin Baxter because uh, he's kind of in a weird part of Maryland in a small league that doesn't get a ton of attention. Uh, so identifying him, I, I think, was great by this uh, by, by this coaching staff. And I think, obviously, Michigan has a great track record of developing edge guys, and they can definitely maximize Baxter's potential, which is sky high. And like I said, I named him the most athletic guy in the class. He's also a basketball player, um, played quarterback, wide receiver, tight end this year as well. So really, really impressive kid. Uh, impressive kid off the field too. Just, you know, I'm kind of partial to him having seen him so much. And, you know, just a really laid back attitude and just loves Michigan. Also another coach's son, his dad, Darrell, is the uh, defensive line coach at Gwynn Park. So student of the game. And actually one last note I'll add on Baxter is the staff asked him to break down some film and he sent back his report. And I'm told the staff was just really impressed with his football knowledge and the way he broke down the Michigan pass rushers. So um, a lot to like about Devin Baxter, both on and off the field. Let's go ahead. And man, we are like <laughs> more than an hour on this show. I need to like get to Chipotle before they close. Uh, let's go ahead and go with Hogan Hansen. Um, Hogan Hansen is a guy that I need to watch more senior film of. He dropped in the rankings really bad and on threes. Now a three-star prospect there. He's a four-star everywhere else. From the clips that I saw as uh, I saw limited clips of him as a senior and I need like I said I need to watch more. As a junior, I really liked him as an inline guy that could block. I mean, he's a really willing blocker. He's really physical. Um the senior clips that Zach put up here on our YouTube channel I thought he showed more as a pass catcher, but when you look at overall body of work, his options were really limited as a receiving tight end. I think the good thing is he's going to be really comfortable putting his hand in the dirt, being an inline pro style type of guy that blocks for Michigan's running backs and is part of, you know, sort of a great offensive line. And yeah, that's the thing, John, and, and John brought up a good point is, when you pull up the tape, it's a lot of blocking because he his school ran, runs a really antiquated type of offense. I'm not sure if it's a wing T or like a I don't even know what to call it, like a you know, old school wishbone type of thing. But uh, yeah, it's an antiquated run heavy offense. But like I said, at the very least, he has experience putting his hand in the dirt, being an inline tight end, being a willing blocker. I think he has the frame to 
split out and be a receiving threat. We just haven't seen a whole lot of that from Hogan Hansen. So I'm not going to expand too much on Hogan because he, I, I think Zach's a little more familiar with him than I am, but I definitely want to watch more of his senior film before I do my own personal rankings um, on, on Hogan. Um, but yeah, I would encourage you. Uh, he also doesn't talk a lot. So I would encourage you guys to, um, to go check out that signy spotlight that Zach did with him. Let's go to Josiah Edmond. A uh, guy that could play early at Michigan, given the need for corners and defensive backs. I mean, <clears throat> he was a big riser up the rankings. He committed to Purdue early. And I've seen a lot of people like, oh, Michigan identified Josiah Edmond. Like, that's not true, man. Uh, Josiah Edmond showed up to a Michigan camp that he didn't even register for. I mean, he registered for it, but without giving the coaches a heads up, they had no idea who this guy was. Um, so he showed up to the camp and he's a good friend of I'm Arian Stewart who told the staff, Hey, keep an eye on this guy. Edmund shows up and he kills the camp. He absolutely impressed the staff with his testing times as well as his performance. He was the best camper there. And so they didn't offer him on the spot because they were still chasing after Bryce West and Aaron Scott. Uh, but they did, you know, once they missed on those guys, he was the next man up. He committed. So he always wanted to be at Michigan. He has good friend coming along and I'm Marion Stewart. I think both of those guys are just going to be good for the program. And yeah, he could really play early. I really like his, uh, his film. And I said that when he initially committed his junior film is fun. His senior films fun as well. He's a playmaker as a wide receiver, um, at corner. He's tall, he's long, he's springy. He reminds me a lot of Jair Hill from last cycle. I think he's uh, probably built a little bit better than, than Hill. I think Hill is more of an explosive athlete, but I think, you know, Edmund has a good head on his shoulders and he'll have a chance to go in there and compete early. I have a tough time grading him as well, but I think he's, you know, a, a four-star guy for sure. And one of the nice, you know, steals of the class and you know, it's crazy to think that this guy just showed up to the camp like that never happens, just showed up to a camp at Michigan and became a take and one of the biggest, you know, rankings risers of the cycle. Kind of a just a really unique and cool story on Josiah Edmond. Um, let's go to Lugard Adekpahi, the newest part of Michigan's class. Um, you know, Lugard is six foot seven. 215 pounds and man, he has so much potential. I think he probably has the biggest ceiling in the class. When you look at Adipayi, I mean, the length is so special. Um, man, he is a guy that I visited at his school. And when I saw him do the little wingspan photo that I had him do, I was like, oh my God, this guy has just tremendous length. Like I thought Baxter was long. This kid is really, really long. Um, and usually, you know, guys lie about their height and sometimes they don't pass what I like to call the EJ height test. I'm six one. I have no reason to lie. This kid dwarfed me. Like he looks like a basketball, like a college basketball player. So at 215 pounds, he's still really skinny. You've seen that in my photos. Like he has a thin lower and upper half. So I'm really excited to see how much weight Ben Herbert adds to his frame. You probably won't hear from Adekpahi for a few years, but once he's done in the strength and conditioning program and he's ready to play, I think he has a chance 
to be an absolute monster at Michigan. Just great late addition. And, you know, I thought the staff did a great job on his official visit, really selling him on the education and the development at Michigan. And I think Luger made a business decision picking Michigan over Maryland, knowing that he can be developed at Michigan and Michigan can really maximize his potential. And like I said, I think he has the biggest upside in the class. Next on the list is we're getting into the final five. All right. Um, next on the list is Blake Frazier. Uh, Blake is one of my personal favorites. Just great kid. If you didn't watch that signing spotlight with Blake, go watch it. Now, as far as him as a player, um, six foot five, 270. I've seen some people say that he could slide inside and play guard. And I agree, but I really like him as a right tackle. He started off as a tight end. He has great feet, great balance, um, really good in pass protection. What I really liked about Frazier this year is the improvement in physicality and the addition of weight. So he was a guy that was 250, I believe, as a junior and now playing at 270. And you could see that in the run game, man. He was physical. He was dominant. He put guys in the dirt. He was nasty. Anytime I go out and I evaluate offensive linemen, if you're a D1 offensive guy, especially going to a school like Michigan, you should be serving up pancakes all the time. This should be an expectation. So when I went out and I saw Blake Frazier and he was just putting guys in the dirt and laying on them and just playing mean, I was super, super excited about that. So, you know, along with the athleticism, I think he sticks at tackle. Um, and then, like I said, just really great kid. Always wanted to be at Michigan. His father, Steve, obviously played at Michigan. So he grew up bleeding maize and blue. Um, I have Blake graded as a top 150 recruit. And the only service that agrees with me is Rivals. But uh, anyway, I love Blake Frazier more than the services. So I think he's going to be a multi-year starter at Michigan, future team captain. Just so many things to say about Blake Frazier, um, you know, on a personal level. And as, as far as, you know, just him as a player as well, he definitely checks the box. Next on the list is Brady Prescorn. Now, Brady's been dropping in the rankings. He's a guy that most of you guys should be familiar with being an in-state kid. He's been on the recruiting scene for a while. I actually saw him play as a sophomore against West Bloomfield. Really willing blocker. Um, great mismatch guy, even though Adams is a more run-heavy team. They did split him out a lot. I saw a lot of his tape where he was lined up in the slaughter out wide. He's just a mismatch nightmare, um, especially in the red zone. Great jump ball guy. Um great receiver overall. And I, I think he's just kind of the complete package, kind of in the Colston Loveland type of mold. Um, <clears throat> I think that with pre-scorn, he has dropped in the rankings because he didn't do a whole lot ever. Like he never camped or anything. And I don't think a ton of people have seen him, but you know, it takes 10 seconds to just go find his game tape. And it's again, like I said, really impressive. He brings the best of both worlds as a blocker, as a receiver. I could see him being a, again, a Colston Loveland type. I don't know him too well as a person, so can't really share a ton of stories. He's a really, really quiet kid. I know he lost his father this year. So, um, you know, shout out to Brady for get, going through that signing with Michigan and living out his dreams. I mean, big congrats to him. Um, Zach had an interview with him, uh, here on the YouTube channel. So I'd suggest checking it out, but I have Brady graded as a top 150 kid, which two of the four services have as well. 
Um, but yeah, I agree. Adam Shepardson, Brady didn't do any camps or anything like that. I just don't think he got a lot of eyeballs on him, but I, I'm still really excited about Prescorn. I think he's one of the best lands of the class for sure. And just, you know, a big win in state. I think he's probably the best player in the state of Michigan this year. And on three has him ranked as such. Um, next on the list is Andrew Sprague, man. Andrew's a guy I've been high on forever. If you watch the show, you know that when me and Libby did our draft at the beginning of the year, Andrew Sprague was one of my offensive line takes, one of my early offensive line takes, because, man, I, like I said, with Roebuck, I'm a sucker for towering tackles, six foot eight, 295 pounds. I think he's a lot more polished than Roebuck and a lot more athletic than Roebuck. Um, really good in pass pro, not clumsy because of his height. Uh, really strong kid as well. The thing I liked about Sprague going, and he did this as a junior as well, but even better as a senior is getting to the second level. I mean, he's a guy that looked like a dancing bear in space. He was putting linebackers in the dirt, safeties in the dirt, um, and just, you know, normal pass pro. I thought he was really good as well. He's a very willing run blocker. Like I said, he uses his sheer size to his advantage. Actually, reminds me of Andrew Gentry. And I know you guys haven't had a chance to get the full Gentry experience, when Gentry was in high school, he was a top 100 recruit and he was an absolute monster. I think it's taking some time for Gentry to get used to getting back from being on a mission, which took two years out of his life. So I think with Andrew Sprague, you know, coming in, he is going to be what I thought Andrew Gentry would be right away. Now, I'm not saying he gets on the field as a true freshman. It's hard for an offensive lineman to do that. Uh, but I haven't graded right around the top 100 area. And I think he's, you know, Definitely one of the best takes of the entire class. I, I absolutely love what him and Blake Frazier can do together along the offensive line. That's a really exciting duo. Uh, next on the list is Jaden Davis, the much talked about kid. Look, I've talked about Jaden Davis forever, man. Um, and and before we talk about Davis, I, I obviously I don't get to watch the team a ton since I'm being uh, since I'm out on the recruit watching all these guys, which is why I can talk about them for so long. Um, but if Gentry starts next year at tackle, that would be awesome. Um, I, I love Andrew and I loved what he was. Uh, but Jaden Davis, we, we won't spend too much time on him for obvious reasons. I mean, I've talked about him at length. Here's the things about Jaden Davis that I really like. One, he's accurate, short to intermediate. I think accuracy is, you know, something that is talked about not enough. It's actually not talked about enough for high school quarterbacks. If you have someone who's naturally accurate, I think that gives you, uh, you know, a higher floor, which is something that Jaden Davis is. He's a high floor prospect. He's really accurate, short to intermediate. Uh, he's a guy that is a student of the game, great mental processing ability, knows how to read a defense pre-snap, always seems to make the right decision, especially if it is short to intermediate, I trust that Jaden Davis is going to make the right read about 90% of the time. Um, most of the interceptions I saw with Jaden Davis, and he threw nine this year, and I think I saw him throw three or four um, at the games that I was at, you know, a combined total. The interceptions he threw were past the 20 yard mark. So anything, you know, that's short to intermediate, he's a guy that's going to be super accurate and he's going to make the right decision. Um, the other thing I like about Jaden Davis is leadership. He's a guy that I saw vomiting on the sideline as a junior played through that game and led his team to a win. 
uh, and game management just really knows how to control an offense. He has a deep understanding of the game. So he, you know, can help coaches out with just clock management and making right decisions and things of that nature. So that's what I really like about Jaden Davis, as well as that, like Adam Shepardson mentioned there in the comment box, he's a great fit for a pro style offense. You don't need to, you know, have this elite level arm or be a dynamic playmaker to be successful in a pro style offense. The things that I don't like about Jaden Davis is he's on the shorter side. He is a little shorter than me. So I would say the six foot and a half um, listing is accurate. Um, on being being a short quarterback doesn't matter as much as long as you can make plays with your legs. And you don't even have to be a dynamic runner. You just have to be a creator in and out, in and around the pocket, similar to maybe a Bryce Young. You don't have to be a Kyler Murray who can just zigzag around the field. Um, with Jaden Davis, I don't think he offers either. Um, he's just a guy that he's not exactly a statue in the pocket, but he's definitely not a guy that creates at all. He's way more of a distributor and, you know, he, he doesn't pick up, he's no real threat with his legs at all. Um, so I think that hinders him. Obviously he has a hitch in his throwing motion, which needs to be fixed because he is a shorter quarterback. The arm strength is viable. I mean, he makes some really impressive throws at times, but he has a really inconsistent deep ball that flutters on him at times as well. And again, the arm strength isn't amazing, but it's certainly not Cade McNamara type of arm strength. He has a better arm than Cade. Um, overall, I think something that will really benefit Jaden Davis is just getting to campus early because um, he'll have a chance to maybe get faster under Ben Herbert and also fix some of his mechanical issues with Kurt Campbell. So that's what I have to say about Jaden Davis. Hopefully nobody goes crazy about that. Um, let's go down. And by the way, I do have Jaden Davis graded as a, probably a top 150 to 200 type of player is my final ranking for him. And last on the list is Jordan Marshall. And, uh, you know, Jordan Marshall, I mean, the best recruit in the class, terrific between the tackles runner. I think he's a guy that can come in and play right away, especially with Blake Corum going off to the NFL. Donovan Edwards could potentially be gone. He could be the bell cow as a true freshman, similar to how Mike Hart was. I think he's going to develop well under Hart. I think he's ready to go right now. He was Mr. Ohio for a reason. Rushed for more than 1,500 yards. Max Preps All-American. I think he showed improved speed as a senior. I also like the like the fact that he showed ability as a pass catcher as well. I thought that was really impressive from him as a senior. Um, I have Jordan Marshall graded as a top 100 recruit. Um, two of the services have him like below 140, which is crazy. I, I definitely think he can come in and you know surprise those services because I, I do feel like he's going to get in the rotation if not be a real major contributor. Uh, yeah, I kind of am speed running, so it doesn't close on me. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I love Jordan Marshall and what he brings to the table. I, um, you know, I, every interview I've seen with him and Zach had a great one here on our YouTube channel, uh, has been great. He seems like a really great kid. I think he has a great head on his shoulders. I think he's, you know, a future team captain as well. And, you know, choosing Michigan, being from Ohio, choosing them over Ohio State, I think that speaks volumes of his character and his priorities. And uh, yeah, not enough, you know, great things to say about Jordan Marshall as well. All right, guys, that is every single signee. But before we get out of here, we do have a message 
from another sponsor, and that is My Perfect Franchise. My Perfect Franchise offers you the opportunity to get in the franchise game. Are you a displaced corporate executive wanting to put your career in your own hands? Andy Ludicky can help. He's a huge college sports fan and franchise veteran. Find your perfect franchise at myperfectfranchise.net. He helps others find their American dream through a very thorough consultation and evaluation process. Call Andy to put your life and career in your own hands. Call him at 404-973-9901. Visit him at www.myperfectfranchise.net. Remember, guys, the Wolverine.com's uh, special promotion ends tonight. $1 for one month or 50% off your annual subscription. We actually travel and go out and see every single guy, whether it's me or Zach Libby. So make sure to go out and subscribe. Also like this video for free. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and appreciate you for joining me. I am on vacation next week, so no shows. We will be back after Christmas. Hope everybody enjoys their holidays. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.